Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. In association with Pot Noodle, welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm I'm Emma Kennedy, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, why? And secondly, you won't get that joke. We are joined, as per usual, by At The Races, brilliant pundit Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. And from the Matchbook Betting Podcast, Mr. Rory DeLarge. Hello. Easter eggs all round for the team as we build up to a big, big podcast for the bank holiday Easter weekend. Now, we've just done our first flat preview and the guineas is in sight. So obviously, we're going to talk about jump racing. The Irish Grand National is the feature race over the weekend as we skip the Dubai World Cup almost entirely. And we will briefly touch on it and head straight to Ferry House. Uh, it's a very prestigious race and it's worth a whole lot of money and we'll have a big say-so in the Irish trainership, uh, trainer's title, which Gordon Elliott currently leads by over half a million. He's throwing a lot at it. Willie Mullins is throwing a lot at it. But I'm not entirely certain that the lads are going to be tipping up the horse from either stable. Uh, Kevin and Rory, big field handicaps tend to be your specialities. Kevin, take it away. Your thoughts on the Irish Grand National. Well, I, I lead off, but I... I I lead off, I lead off. And the one I like, and it won't be a huge surprise to anyone, I guess, is Maldini. Um, and oi, in, oi. Our Cheltenham, in our Cheltenham review, we never got a chance to pick through the bones of what was this utter, utter horrendous experience that anyone that backed Maldini had in, in the Camure. <laughs> but it, it was a really interesting race to watch. And anyone that, that backed Maldini will still be wondering how in the name of God he didn't manage to win. But I think I have the reason why. I think I have the reason why. And of course, just to briefly surmise the race for anyone that didn't have a real good look at it, he travelled like a travelly thing, travelled all over the winner. I don't quite know how short he went in running, but he went very short. 1.35. And, um, 1.35. And was worth every single bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tough race to watch. Well, it was it was a very easy race to watch for a long way because this horse, he had blinkers on for the first time and he travelled so well. He jumped so well and it seemed to be a matter of how far Patrick Mullins wanted to win, but he didn't go past the very game Mr. Brooch who made all. And a lot of people came away from this race, um, certainly from the analysis I saw, and they were throwing stones at Maldini thinking, right, he doesn't win very often and he clearly didn't want to go past here. But the way I look at this race, um, knowing Maldini and just looking at the bigger picture a little bit with him, is that I know they were desperate to get another run into him before Cheltenham, and they didn't. He missed a few engagements for various reasons, and he ended up going to this race with a two-month gap, which isn't really 
the circumstances that he's seen to best affect in. You know, when he's gone to Cheltenham on his big day for the previous two years, he had a run late in February, you know, the, just three weeks, four weeks before he went there. And he didn't get that this year. And that freshness, uh, that was a consequence of that, combined with the first-time blinkers, which probably worked a little bit too well. I just think it sparked him up a little bit. It probably took Patrick Mullins by surprise for to, to, the, to the point where he jumped his way into the race, you know, and he got quite free with him mid-race as well. And he just paid for that late on, I think, as much as anything. And with the benefit of that run underneath him, uh, with the benefit of knowing that the blinkers very much work, um, I think they'll ride him a little bit differently. I think they'll ride him with, with more exaggerated patience over the slightly longer trip. Um, it'll be interesting to see who rides him. We know Davy Russell ha- has been seen, ha- has, has been on him plenty of times in the past, but not, not so much in this season. Um, and one would imagine he'll be engaged for one of Gordon's. So it'll be interesting to see who takes the ride. But whoever's on him, um, I'd imagine they'll be told to ride with loads of patience because I suspect he's still a well-handicapped horse. And the other key bit of information we learned at Cheltenham is that he isn't one that that, that is really dependent on a sounder surface. He, he got through that surface just fine. And yeah, I, I think there's more to come from him. And I know plenty of people will be knocking him um, after Cheltenham, but I'll give him one more chance, I think. All right, one more chance for Maldini for Kevin Blake. Rory DeLarge, are you going to be talking Kevin out of this or backing him up? Um, I'm afraid to say I'm backing him up all the way. Oi, um, oi. And I, was, I was keen on this race before the Kim Muir. I was kind of half hoping he, he, he'd almost duck the Kim Muir, but he was never going to do that given the, the, the handicap mark that um, Pat Kelly had managed to manoeuvre. And he stuck out like a sore thumb. When I saw the weights for this, I saw he was in 10 stone one. But there's only one horse I could look at in the race. And I know that people will say, well, you don't want to be backing Cheltenham horses turning out of Ferry House. Quick turnaround. They've all been through a slog and very bad grounds. Um, and that might be true to some degree, but I don't think there'll be an issue with this fella. Um, and I, I largely agree with everything Kevin said there about the, the Kim Muir. The only thing I would say is, you know, just listening to Kevin, you get the impression that he was tying up close home, whereas actually he was going on again at the finish and beaten half a length. Uh, for me, he lost the race between the last two fences when, in in hindsight, if Patrick had been able to lean on the, on the winner a little bit and bully him out of it and got himself in front jumping the last, then he would have won the race. As it was, Mr. Proch has just, has just moved a bit to his right coming to the last fence to see a stride. That's mid... Uh, meant that Patrick had to correct Maldini slightly going to the last as well. Um, he had to take slightly, slightly evasive action. Um, and it just cost him a bit of momentum at a crucial time. He then um, took a wee while to pick it up again, but he was going on at the finish. And the crucial thing about that is everyone said that, you know, horses couldn't make the running at Cheltenham. Um, you know, front runners were struggling. And everyone seemed to get it in their heads for the Kim Muir. They went really slowly. I think it was the most slowly run race of the festivals to my eye. I've not checked the, the figures on that. I know that um, uh, the finishing speed was remarkably good given the conditions. And it wasn't like Maldini was, was slowing at the finish. If anything, he was, um, he, was, he was going on very nicely from the second last fence. It's just that Mr. Proch got an absolutely perfect ride. Um, most people would have thought he was there to be picked off, but... Um, he was able to find a bit extra from the last and 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 kept going and that was that was an extremely well judged front running ride uh, and although patrick um had maldini in what seemed the perfect spot from from the start of the race 
as opposed to the previous year when he got he was badly out of his grounds. Because um, people will tell you that the Kim Muir, because it's full of inexperienced amateur riders, you go far too fast. You sit off them and you pick up you pick them off as they as they tire late on. Um, and that hasn't happened the last few years. The, the front runners have got away a little bit. Um, but Maldini was close enough, but missed approach. is a decent horse in his day, and he found plenty at the end of it. Um, if you look at what Maldini was doing, he was going he was going further away from Squatura at the finish. Um, and I thought there were many more positives to take from the run than there were negatives. You look at his form figures and you wonder whether he wants it. But his form figures, have they have fundamentally been engineered to give him his best chance of winning at the Cheltenham Festival two years in a row. Mm. And he, he was into this race off the same handicap mark he's been off for those two runs at Cheltenham. And both times he's looked at the best horse in the race. So he's clearly well handicapped. He's tough enough as well. The issue you have with horses who are really well handicapped um, and young going into an Irish national is, are they tough enough for the challenge? And of course he is. You know, he's, he's been through the mill a couple of times. He was a massive eye-catcher over course and distance earlier in the season behind presenting Percy, um, where he got a very quiet ride under Mark Walsh. It was kind of a feeler to see whether, you know, course and distance would suit him. I thought, immediately I thought, I want to be with him for the rest of the year. Um, but I haven't changed my mind. And, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty straightforward, this, isn't it? This is a max oh, yeah. stake job. Rory and Kevin both agreeing in a big field handicap, maximum stakes. Uh, if there was a an outsider to interest you, Rory, to tilt out at a big price, is there anything there, or is it all about Maldini for you? Uh, well, it, I haven't I haven't looked at the prices again um, since because I, I don't want to be tempted too much by one. Um, <laughs> that, quite frankly, because you know, for me, it is. It is really all one way. Let's look at what's massive. Listen, if if, if my old friend Score Mayer managed to get in the race, oh. um, you know, he he'd be vaguely interesting in the fight. He was better than the result when he was pulled up last time out. But I, I'd run. It's, the problem is the outsiders are twenty five and thirty three to one for this. Mm. When they should be, you know, these horses who might be interesting at a big price should be fifties and sixty sixes. Um, and if you were getting huge prices about some of them, they would be interesting. But I'd be looking at the, I'd be looking at the exchanges in the morning of the race and, and seeing what gets knocked out to big odds um, before I started doing that. Again, as a rule, you want to be with somebody who's either a specialist in races like this. So you know, bless the wings, could bounce back. Is placed in it last year, um, or you want something that's young and unexposed. You know, a novice who's. Um, who you know will stay the trip and jumps well enough, but who hasn't had the buttons pressed, as it were. But Maldini fits far, you know, he, he takes far too many boxes for me to, to start looking at, at 50 to 1 shots that I might want to back and waste a bit of my money on. I'm liking this. I'm loving this confidence. Uh, so Mare, by the way, is the horse that we almost got the sweep with at Cheltenham last year, but we got the each way money. We got the each way money in the Coral Cup, which was okay. Uh, as long as you were getting those five places. So this is highly confident for Maldini. Um, I'm not even going to mention Bells Hill. Well, I just did. <laughs> Bells Hill's worth mentioning. Just, he is. Just for, Be- for saying, why is he? Why would he run here rather than an entry? Presumably is because William Mullins desperately wants to be champion trainer. Well, there is that, yeah. But, you know, I, I'd take a million quid, to be perfectly honest with you. He's He's eight pounds lower. Uh, for the national, yeah. he's owned owned by people from the north of England. Everyone's dream is to win the national, uh, and he's got a great chance in that. You know, on the figures, and yet he'll run in the Irish national again against a tougher field of horses 
with an extra six pounds or eight pounds on his back. Mm. Um, well, it seems to be crazy, doesn't it? Well, this is particularly true given the news today that the winner of the 2018 Grand National was ruled out after his exertions at Cheltenham Cause oh. of Causes won't run so they may as well not even bother running the race there's no point now oh god i may as well just go back to bed for the rest of the week what else on like jonathan ross there but i i think there's a couple of interesting <laughs> insights here one is the fact that graham wiley is obviously a real gentleman but he he is fully honest in the sense that he takes the lead from william mullins once william mullins tells him what they're going to do he's happy to go along with that different with isaac sweden simon munir no you're not running football at ferry house we want to go to entry and mm. that's where he's going to go. And that's going to be very interesting next season when we figure out exactly what the direction that that footpad goes in. Because there's a lot of talk that he could be a Gold Cup horse in the Mullins camp. But if they see him as a champion chaser, then you can be absolutely odds-on certain the champion chaser is the race that he will target. Um, yeah, well, Wouldn't it be nice? Oh, yeah. I think it'd be nice. And he has the, you know, the race for him as well. You know, we, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, if, if every owner in the yard wanted their horses running the race that suited them best, we'd get some mighty clashes. Well, we, we'd get some <laughs> great clashes, but we also end up with an awful lot of Michael O'Leary jobs, I should imagine, with trucks, <laughs> with trucks outside. Um, I, I do like Bells Hill, but you both make a very solid and strong case for Maldini, and, but Maldini's a bigger price, so that's that. Yes, I, can't, I can't believe he's 12 to 1. It's, I can't either. I thought it'd be I, did, I, I, I deliberately didn't look at the betting for this before we looked at it, because it, was, it wasn't going to be a betting... Um, related um, analysis for me because I'm all over Maldini, um, but I expected him to be about six to one. Yeah, likewise. Six to one in three or four places. Deary me, we were getting double the price you thought he should be. That's fantastic. All right, Maldini wins the Irish we, Grand National. We, and we go on. We better um, briefly talk about the horse that is favourite. Um, pair of brown eyes for Willie Mullins. Yeah, there's been a lot of money um, for this horse in recent days, Kevin. Well, I think it's one of those that, and we often see it that when a horse transfers to Willie, uh, the mar- you know he's done it so many times to improve them that the market assumes that improvement is going to be forthcoming. And he obviously made a very good start for Willie, um, when winning at at Gorham Park, um, the Leinster National transferred from Nace, um, but I just wonder, and that that was obviously two mile seven and heavy ground and proper heavy ground. But just three mile, three and a half, three mile five. I don't know for a horse that looked that didn't, that has never looked to lack for pace. Um, it could just be a step too far. And while look, the case is obvious for him to be uh, still well handicapped, I would just be cautious about him, given the price he is. Um, especially stepping up in trip now. I just I'd like to see him do it before. I wouldn't like to assume he'll stay. I'll mm. put it to you that way. I will just mention, I suppose, one or two more. While we're given that it is the, the big race of, of the coming days, um, Manbeg Notorious. You, you wouldn't worry about the trip really. He looks a real slogger, and the ground will be no problem for him at all. Um, I ju- he looks just the type for it. But at the end of at the end of the day, this is a handicap, and you're looking for a well handicapped horse. And is he well handicapped of one five two? You know, if you're winning, as we as we saw with our Duke, if you're going to be winning uh, an Irish Grand National off that type of rating as a novice, you know, you, you need to be a proper Grade One chaser in the making. And is he that? I don't know myself. Um, you know, beating beating Moss back by um, by half a length didn't do loads for me now. And I know he was probably a bit better than the bare form, but. I just don't know how well handicapped he is. You know, he won the Tiestes off 137. He's uh, and that that wasn't the best Tiestes I think we've ever seen. 
and he's 15 pounds higher now yeah so i'd just be worried about him now off, off his rating and i think gordon is going to have a dozen or so in this um but he did have he did have how many was it nine eight or nine in last year and didn't win it so yeah. just just bear that in mind just because you have loads of runners in it it um yeah, doesn't mean that you're that you're certainly doing it. No, I I completely agree with that. Bless the wings to be best of Gordon's to be a value play. Good shout, that. Like... What, what's that? Sorry, Rory. Bless the wings backing, to be best backing. of Gordon's. There should be a market on on um the best of Gordon's runners. Yeah, and I think bless the wings would have won that last year, and he's one of those. Yeah. There'll be shorter priced horses because you're looking for something that's coming under the radar, but you'd almost rather one that um, that shows his form. Uh, the 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 really testing ground would be a slight worry for him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't see, I think Gordon will come away um, without winning again, to be perfectly honest. Um, you mentioned Para Brown Eyes. Uh, I was talking about Bells Hill should be going through injury. So should Para Brown Eyes. The top of him is mm. made absolutely made Good for him. Chance. I know it's worth a lot more money, but I was against him last time because I, I thought he struggled to stay uh, a stiff three miles. In the end, he was too well handicapped. It wasn't a case of him outstaying his rivals. He just had too much too much toll for them throughout. Um, uh, given that um, uh, when he was with Barry Murphy, he was, he was as good at two as he was at two and a half. He's now proven he stays three, um, but he's adaptable and he's got toll. I just think the top one would be absolutely up his street and he, he would be a warm favourite for that if he turned up. Yeah. And he's still there. Well, what we want is and, if, and if, that... if Maldini doesn't win, what we want is Willie Mullins to win so he can give that quote, well, that's blown Gordon out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and look, that's going to be a real theme of the, the back end of the season here because Fairy House often suffers for being you know, wedged in between Cheltenham and Aintree, but I think we're going to have a, an above-average Fairy House this year just on account of the, the situation in the Irish Trainers' Championship. Yeah. You know, I think... Gordon is going to have maybe one or two horses running at entry outside of those that he's running over the big fences. You know, and, and I'd imagine, you know, footpad is going to be very much Willie's biggest hope outside of, again, a couple of runners over the big fences. So Fairy House is going to benefit from that. I think we're going to see a lot of these good horses running um, at the three festivals, Cheltenham, Fairy House, Punchestown, a lot more than we would often have seen. And it's going to be, it's going to make for really interesting viewing. And Fairy House is just going to be a key, key battleground here. Because if Gordon can win the Irish National especially, you know, I think he, he he's firmly odds on after that. You know, there's not much in it at the minute. And well, I say not much in it in terms of their price. You know, I think Gordon is 520,000 up at the minute. Mm -hmm. But I think we calculated there earlier in the season that he'd want to have a half a million of a, of a gap going into Punchestown to give himself a real chance. So... Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun of games for the next few weeks. And we know that Willie Mullins is the king of Punchestown as well. So it's all about Maldini. You've uh, put the sufficient negatives on the uh, current market rivals and the fact that he is double the price Rory thinks he should be. Ooh, both boys in agreement. We're all about Maldini. On the Sunday, hopefully we won't be made fools of on April Fool's Day in the Ryanair Gold Cup, which is basically Willie Mullins versus Gordon Elliott with Noel Mead trying to squeeze in and, and <laughs> Henry de Bromhead as well. Uh, so in the William Mullins-Gordon Elliott battle, uh, we're still trying to figure out exactly who's going to line up. But Shattered Love, Kevin, is a horse that you're obviously a big fan of. You you and Rory both put her up for Cheltenham. Um, she was almost going to run out and go for another circuit. She was 
uh, full of so much running. Don't remind um, me of that. Oh dear, I was standing beside, beside both of the lads, and I can tell you, they both, to quote Kevin Blake, filled their trousers, but were absolutely <laughs> delighted uh, that she managed to get the job done. And she was put up at a big price by the lads too, so well done to both of them. Um, would you be backing her to follow up here to Rory? Yes, in short. Um, again, I think that there's a lot of... Um, uh, there'll be a lot of talk about whether um, Kerry House comes too quickly after Cheltenham for a lot of horses, but um, I was a little bit concerned how, how she would handle uh, Cheltenham, given how, how moderately she'd run the, the previous year. But she had valid excuses for that, it turned out. Um, reportedly in season, the ground was also good, which probably doesn't suit her. And the deeper it gets, the happier she is, quite frankly. Um, and she showed at Cheltenham that she's, she's a, a superb jumper of a fence and as tough as old boots. Um, and in fairness, if you, if you only watched the closing stages of that, you wouldn't believe she was a superb jumper of the fence because she uh, took a chance at the last when she had the race won. Um, but she, I've, I've liked her enormously from day one. Um, and she's gone onto the radar a little bit because I think um, Gordon Elliott chasers in the, in the Jiggenstein colours seem to be ten a penny, don't they? Um, but some of them stick out a little bit, and, and she does for me. Um She'll need to be running close to that form to win again, but she's done it several times this season. As I said, going into Cheltenham, she didn't get anything like the credit she should have uh, for winning the, the Neville Hotels and I was chased at, at Leperstown over Christmas. I think however you ran that race, she would have won it. Um, and she's she's backed that up by by winning a, a pretty a pretty decent JLT. I mean, we've probably seen we've probably seen one or two better runnings over the years, but it was it was deep enough, um, and the, it wasn't a case of you know, the, the leading fancies didn't run well. She beat Terra 4, who it was the, the form horse, the UK form horse going into it. Um, I thought she's she's um, pretty much bomb-proof, really. Yeah. In- invitation only was brought to a stop, but that's clutching at straws, and Terra 4 was a big gamble on the day, and she put him away, and she put him away well. Uh, Kevin, are you in Rory's camp? Are you sticking with her? Yeah, I think I am. She, she's going to run here, I think. Um, she also has the option of, of carrying a, a grade one penalty in the grade three Mare's Novice Chase there. Sorry. Yeah, in the grade three Mare's Novice Mare's Chase, I should say. Sorry, on the Tuesday. Um, but I was speaking to Gordon the other day and he seemed inclined to go here. And I don't, like the only one I'd, I'd fear um, and comes from the same stable and I wouldn't be sure if he'll run or not would be the storyteller. Uh, just because he he obviously won the the, the brown advisory in Mirabel Stable Plate at Cheltenham. Good job. In great, in great style. In really Mile great style now. Um, the Mile Mayor Fleet, there we go. Um, and he absolutely bolted up, I thought. You know, he, he did everything he could to, to hurt his chances at times, but he he was much the best on the day, winning off 147, you know, off his revised mark here. You know, he's 155. Shattered Love will get the Mayor's allowance, but... Um, if he can put, if he could put it together again, and he doesn't always help himself with his jumping, if he could put in a clean round, he'd be a danger to everything here. I'd say, but Shattered Love is just like I'd echo pretty much everything Rory said there. She's rock solid. Um, she jumps. She stays really well. She's a, she's a really straightforward ride, and uh, just a lovely mare. And and in terms of the relatively fast backup from from Cheltenham. One thing I'd say is that she was very deliberately left off after Christmas with a view to coming back to the spring festivals. And, you know, Gordon has said that. And that's just something worth bearing in mind. Now, just to briefly return to our, our point about the Trainers' Championship and, and Willie traditionally being expected to have a much better Punchestown than Gordon. 
you know, Gordon was was pretty clear now when I when I spoke to him before Cheltenham that they identified last season that they found the cupboard was a little bit empty when they got to that late stage of the season, and they deliberately set out to be a little bit easier in these horses in between Christmas and Cheltenham with a view to having plenty of horses left, um, in top form for Punchestown, and this will be a prime example of that. So I wouldn't be too worried about the the quick backup. She's done it before, to be fair, but she. She strung together a bunch of runs very quickly there before Christmas and seemed to thrive on that schedule. She improved with pretty much every start. So that isn't something that would worry me with her. Ground would be no problem at all. And um, yeah, I'd be disappointed now if she's not winning. Um, Smash and Mare, very fond of her. Okay, that's a very, very uh, strong line of confidence for the JLT winner. Of course, last year's JLT winner ended up chasing ambulances in York Hill, but we'll see what uh, this horse can do. Oh dear, still sick over that. Lorena, I'm going to take a guess here that she wins by conservatively 57,000 lengths, Kevin? Well, you, you'd like to think so, Evan, because to, I, I don't know what the handicapper is looking at now, but leaving her in off, off 113 in, a, in an obvious handicap hurdle seems to be very leading in treatment. <laughs> and uh, I think she'll take an awful lot of eating there in the, in the 220 uh, on, the, on the Sunday. Uh, what do you think? I, I wouldn't like to be opposing her at that mark now. Lorena, yeah, Lorena. Yeah. Yeah. It's very lean. Trained train by William Mullins, yeah. <laughs> lovely, lovely mare. Oh, I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming at all. So, lads, if you're having an old bet there on Sunday, mind your Larinas and your Laurinas. They're yeah. both trained by William Mullins. They're both five-year-old mares, but they're very, very different animals. Oh, it's it, that, that could be very, very dangerous, actually. That could be very, <laughs> very dangerous. Imagine if they wore have the your, same have colours. Your house, uh, have your house on Larina, boss. You can't get beat. And, and you just know, like, like people will be doing that thing that you described, Kevin, as you know, grabbing you by the elbow and saying, Lorena, good thing today. And <laughs> you're getting stuck into this yoke and handicap hurdle. It's like, oh, no! Oh no! The thing, the thing is, Lorena will, prob- will probably win the novice's handicap hurdle at a much better price than Lorena <laughs> yeah, will be. I'm looking forward to the first Lorena winning and the second one getting getting turned over and all all the ponders asking for justice refunds. It, justice, <laughs> justice <laughs> refunds. Yeah, wasn't there justice refunds for Let's Dance last year being requested on Twitter.com after after Augusta Kate? It should be the Paris Mutual. These horses should be running off the same price. It's ridiculous. No, it's not. Well, we, we, well, we had some claims of, uh, for, for justice refunds there the other day with the judge somehow calling the wrong results. Oh, well, that's just ridiculous. Finish. Good oh, good job. Good job. So, and, that's and certainly it, never happened to Kempton before. Yeah. Oh, it, totally Jesus, alien to rough. Kempton. And an odds-on uh, favourite as well. Oh, dear. Oh. That is a bad beat. As bad beats in, go, in on, fairness, it doesn't get much better. In fairness to the judge, he said, with his, with his tongue firmly in his cheek, um... The, win- the, the horse he called the winner is, is a much shorter horse, much shorter filly, than the big than the big unit that actually won it. So you look at their backsides, and one one of them appears to be half a length ahead, but it wasn't the right. <laughs> oh, oh, at least just, Jim Bulger. I, I, all, all, all joking aside, like that's just so unprofessional. Oh, it's Jesus ridiculous! Christ. It's so it's Jesus. just it is absolutely shameful. But remember when Jim was getting all the stick for running Dawn Approach? in the uh, new approach sorry in the derby and uh dawn approach god that was a nightmare in the derby uh but new approach in the derby after being beaten in the two guineas and then he went and won uh and people were giving out about it and they were um what are you going with this he came out and he said well if anybody wants to write me a letter 
uh, with their story, I'll consider giving them a refund. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the steward is. I'll tell you what, though, it was like Jim Bulger was in the room there. <laughs> well, well, funny you ask. Jim Bulger will be back on the podcast next week. Uh, right, so Lorena wins. Um, we can leave that. Lorena, 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 Lorena. They'll both win. Uh, With the U. <laughs> Kevin Blake. So Frankie Tylip says, "Finally, listen to you, Kevin Blake." After all the years you've been trying, you've been talking about running this horse over the right trip, and now Bon Papa drops back in distance. Well, he has an entry anyway for the, the novice's handicap chase over an extended two miles, uh, two mile one just shy of. And I just think he'd be, he'd be interesting now. And I'd say he'd be a, a fair price as well, um, given his overall form profile. And I, I, I just, I've just always thought that this was a two miler. And he's had two runs, sorry, I tell a lie, three runs over two miles in his life. And he's bolted he's up every time. Um, and just when he goes up and trip, and I know some people who go, oh, well, that's just your know, trends. But it's just the way he shapes when he goes up and trip. He just doesn't help himself. He, he, he can be very free going. And I'd say a race like this where one would assume they'd go at least an average and hopefully a stronger pace would, would really help him. And uh, I think he's coming here fresh. You know, hasn't run since the Dublin Racing Festival, and handicap debut. I think his mark is is very reasonable, one thirty nine. And yeah, I, I, he'd just be really interesting. I'd be interested in him. Hopefully, he'll be declared. He, he doesn't hold any other entries at Fairy House, so it looks like we might be in business, lads. But we'll, we'll wait and see. Okay, it would be great to see him line up. Uh, he he is an exciting horse. Um, if they can just get things right with them and this could be the start of it uh, anything else at Fairy House that, that interests you I have just noticed that Whisper in the Breeze is taking on Lorena the other one uh, which means <laughs> that Whisper in the Breeze will beat Lorena so you can forget about back in the, the wrong one um, but there's a great two novice chase uh, on the Monday there's a, a few other very interesting sporting races um, without declarations there's not much point in, in spoofing on about them so is there anything else that you want to highlight for the weekend Kevin? Oh, there's loads to talk about. Um, in the bumper on the Sunday, uh, Sizing Patsy has an entry in the big sales bumper. Very interesting. And I, th- I think he's, he'll, I'm sure he'll be fab. There might be a talking horse somewhere against him. Lots of newcomers in here, obviously, and plenty of them would have been would have had this as their target now for, for quite a while. But Sizing Patsy is a horse that I just get the impression they, they like an awful lot. Um, he, he cost a lot of money. He was a, a 220-round store horse. They've given him that name and uh the, there was plenty of talk about him now uh, in, in, the, in the lead up to cheltenham even uh, out of harrington's so they were never going to run him at cheltenham obviously but um he was one that it that came out of dispatches that, that they thought quite a bit of and saw as a really nice prospect for the future and he duly got the job done first time and in what i thought was was lovely style and uh, this is a big pot and I, I could see him perhaps following up here okay sizing potsy anything else on your list uh- I was just going to say about about that. I had a quick look at that race myself, and I thought it was interesting that um, the horse he beat is also in there. And I'd be very interested if if Gordon Elliott wanted to take Sizing Potsy on again um, with who shot the sheriff. Um, I mean, obviously, Sizing Potsy did that in decent style. There's not an awful lot between them on form, but the winner seemed to do it with a wee bit in hand. But I would also uh, think that Gordon's would improve much more from first run to second run than most most of the top bumper trainers in Ireland. So if he decided to go in again, 
was who shot the sheriff, it, it would be interesting. Okay. That was um, his favourite that day. Uh, they're both four-year-olds, and he's by... Who shot the sheriff is by Dylan Thomas. So uh, interesting to say the least. But sizing Potsy's horse with a huge, huge reputation. Kevin, anything else on your shortlist for the weekend at Ferry House? Um, well, one that, that caught the eye immediately from the entries is the great Sayar is seemingly back ah, on track. Our supreme novice hurdle project. Yeah, he's entered up in the grade two and novice hurdle on Easter Monday. And I'd love to see him act now. And it's a it's a race full of entries that would obviously be you know, the likes of Get a Bird and that are entered up. It'd be hard to know which way they'd go. But Sayar, I know you know Willie conceded quite a, a long way out. You know, not not long after Christmas that he wasn't going to get Sayar to Cheltenham, but they were hoping to have him back ready for the spring festivals. And um, he's a horse that, that I really like. His form, um, to be fair, it hasn't worked out brilliantly in his absence. But I thought the style was very much there. And Willie seems to have a very high opinion of him. And when Willie has a high opinion of one, you have to respect it, especially when dealing with one as, as unexposed as him. Uh, he'd be super interested if he came back. And I'd obviously be watching him very closely. Um, a sounder surface would, would, would help him. But he showed it to Barreri that the testing ground isn't a barrier to success for him either. So, yeah, he'd be one that, that jumped out at me you now at, at the entry stage, at least beyond the obvious ones, you know, that, that turned up at Cheltenham. And we've no idea which race or if they'll even turn up at Fairy House at all. Yeah, no, that's a really good shout. And it'd uh, be nice to see him back in action. Rory, for you, anything else in the shortlist for Fairy House? Uh, nothing that I haven't mentioned so far. In that <laughs> case, gentlemen, we shall discuss ever so briefly Maidan. It's the oh, Dubai yeah. World Cup. <laughs> it is live on At The Races, just like Ferry House is. And Kevin, Rory, and I will be at Maidan next year for a special live Final Furlong podcast sponsored by Maidan and Fly Emirates. <laughs> also brought to you by Pot Noodle. Uh, steady, <laughs> steady on. And Jack Daniels. <laughs> Kentucky Burke. With champagne provided by Moet. Yeah. Kevin, don't forget to remind me to give you the bottle of Moet, by the way, that Jane gave us. Um, oh yeah Jesus yeah, you can't be hogging that all the time didn't even get a run for my money anyway uh, lads I'm normally very interested in Dubai and I probably will take an interest on the day it'd be interesting to see Big Orange back over towards the door runs for Jessica Harrington from uh, an Irish perspective it's not a meeting I've gone mad on this year um, I, I am very interested in the fact that Mendelssohn Seahenge uh, and three and fourpence make the journey over and Mendelssohn's actually a price I don't know couldn't tell you a thing about this goal town for Charlie Appleby, but Mendelssohn stands out at five to two or whatever the forecast is. That seems big to me. Um, and I would probably be going with him, uh, Kevin. God almighty, yeah. Washington, D.C. is still in training with Aidan O'Brien. Wow. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a good sprinter. He's a very good sprinter. He's not a great one. Uh, right, so your, your thoughts, my friend. Anything that is really sticking out for you? Well, look, in terms of the UAE Derby, it's just going to be really interesting as the next chapter in the, the, the Ballydoyle Kentucky Derby Derby Crusade um, because, you know, this is a race that, that they've obviously fancied winning for a long time. It's an exceptionally hard race for a European to win. Um, you know, any of the, the US Triple Crown races have been all but unattainable um, to European connections, with, uh, go and go being an obvious exception back in the day. Um, but... I think the, the Ballydoyle crew are going about this in the most thorough way they ever have. Um, they're they're going to have, the, well, the plan, the hope is that for them to have three runs. Um, sorry, the, the Kentucky Derby will be their third run of this season. They'll have had a run on dirt. 
you know, these three have already ro- run and, and, and operated well at Dundalk. It, it'll just be really interesting because it's a real, um, it, it's it's a real noble crusade, I think, um, and it's, it's obviously a huge challenge. Mm. But if if hopefully this leg will go well for them here and they'll get qualified because it is tough to even get a run in the Derby nowadays. Um, so they'll probably need to. I, I'm not even super familiar with how the qualification system works they have to accumulate points i don't know if, if one of them needs to win to get a run here but and they'll certainly want to be going close to continue this particular adventure but that that'll be a big interest for me just to see how they cope with dirt um i think it's no secret that uh the dirt track at maidan has been uh you want to be up on the speed lads if you haven't been up yeah. on the speed you're gener- generally been struggling at maidan but We'll see how it pans out in the night. But in that particular race, that'll be my focus point anyway. Kevin, um, can you remind me? We watched that race together, the Dundalk comeback. They rode them handy, didn't they, Mendelssohn? They did. Um, I think I think reading between the lines, the intention was for um, what was for Seahenge to make the running, but he actually blew the start. Um, so the, the, the way they had envisaged the race panning out didn't really work out and three and four pence made the running and a three and four pence ran a right race he did he was coming back he was coming back at Mendelssohn at the line um, so I wouldn't sleep on him now and you he, know, he's he was back as well three, Kevin he was on the night and he was ultimately only beaten three parts of a length mm. Jamie Heffernan was very considerate with him so uh, I, I see he's a 12 to 1 12 or 14 to 1 shot I see here um, and I wouldn't want to be sleeping on him now because he was right on top of Mendelssohn um, and, you know, on, under a very considerate ride. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be forgetting about him now either. And he's obviously by uh, Warfront and Mendelssohn's by Scat Daddy as a sea hen. So they're all they're all bred to operate on this surface. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's just just worth bearing in mind. It's not all about Mendelssohn. Uh, in the words of Barry Faulkner, box exacta, Mendelssohn, three and four pence. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Uh, well, you can. The Godolphin yoke will probably hammer them all. <laughs> ah, not at all. This 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 Godolphin yoke won't even know what direction Mendelssohn is going in. He'll destroy <laughs> him. Um, Godolphin yoke will be off the bridle and Mendelssohn will come sweeping by under Ryan. War Decree uh, is going to line up as well. He's very, very interesting. Uh, Idaho makes the journey. Apparently, they've uh, they've changed up. He's, he's not as difficult to travel now. We'll see how that goes. The full brother to Highland Reel. Um, Cloth of Stars is obviously a very, very interesting runner. The Dubai World Cup will be won by Thunder Snow. I'm going to call it now, uh, which is a big shock because there's an odds-on favourite in that race. Roy Delargy, anything there that interests you at all for the Dubai World Cup night? Uh, not even vaguely. Kevin Blake, anything <laughs> else on the supporting <laughs> races that you want to mention? Yeah, there, there's one or two. Good man. Um, one that I would be interested in is Poet's Word. Yeah, Shima Classic the, the over a mile and a half. Yeah, because uh, it just—I'm sure just, they had their reasons, I'm sure. But for me, like this horse really came good when he was stepped up to a mile and a half at Goodwood last year, and then the glorious stakes. Um, and they just—they dropped him back to ten after that, and they kept him there, and he was running well. But for me, he never looked as comfortable as he did at Goodwood, and he gets his chance, his his second chance at a mile and a half here. And I just think that might bring about enough improvement to, to see him in front. This is a good race. It's a mm-hmm. good race. Um, Claude of Stars, obviously, being, being the headline horse, I suppose. But um, I'd give, I think Poet's Word now might be able to find it. And he needs to find a few pounds. But I think he could find a few pounds for the, for the return to the longer trip. Okay. Um, Cloth of Stars is obviously going to be something that interests a lot of people. Uh, anything else to mention? No, the, 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 the Dubai World Cup itself isn't doing loads for me. Talismanic is a lovely horse. 
Um, but whether this will be his bag, I'm not too sure. Um, a, a, a physically a super horse to, to to watch. He's got he's got a very distinctive facial marking, and uh, you you wouldn't miss him in a crowd. But yeah, that that'd be like I say. I think my main interest, and, and I should clarify, they're very much a, a, a watching interest would come in the supporting races rather than the main event. Do you know what the Dubai World Cup is perfect for? A lucky 63. It's the ideal race night for a lucky 63 or a lucky 31. That's what's perfect for. I can't, I can't believe how many people, how many utter, utter victims tweeted us <laughs> with screenshots of their lucky 15s or lucky 67s hey, or whatever the fuck they were. <laughs> you, you, you're trying to make out victims. They won't be victims when they're, they're buying new sangrias on a nice beach somewhere in Tremor when one of the horses is Tremor. <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you what. If anyone ever lands one of those lucky sixty nines, I'll buy them a drink. They don't need to buy me a drink. <laughs> you know, if one of those lucky sixty nines come off, they're going to pay an absolute fortune. That's pretty much it for the weekend preview. Uh, there's a couple of things to talk about before we, we wrap up. The, the Dubai World Cup is live and at the races. The Ferry House meeting is all live on ATR as well, and there's some great content on atheraces.com as well, which you should check out. I, I would very quickly say that the terrible news that broke during the week which was just a, an awful shock and it just is an example of the fact that it, it can happen to anybody um pat smollen is not somebody i know but i know kevin has worked with him um i know that he is considered to be one of the nicest people you could possibly meet uh and someone who's been a, a great uh, sense of encouragement for young jockeys and he's just brilliant he's just brilliant at what he does um so thoughts with him uh with francis with his family and um, hopefully he'll be back in action sooner rather than later. Um, if any man can beat it, he can. He's a tough nut. Um, anything else you want to mention, uh, Kevin, from newsworthy stories over the weekend? Uh, well, Owl Wingsley, we better mention. Oh, f- how did I forget? <laughs> um, she isn't coming to Royal Ascot. Um, I, my thoughts on this are well known to podcast listeners, I'm sure. I never thought they were going to come, to be honest. Yeah, you called That's it. That's not half your time, and I've been saying it for quite a while. And look, in terms of risk and reward, it's probably the right decision. Um, she can go and you know have a couple of more runs at, at tens on, and go and win the con- a cox plate at fives on, and make loads of prize money. And they'll all love her in Australia. But I think the, what this decision has done is basically uh, it means that she'll go down as an Australian racing legend. But I think her prospects of being fondly remembered around the world for any length of time are pretty much gone now because uh, at the end of the day. Black Caviar's connections had the same decision to make, um, and it, it risk and reward suggested that it wasn't the right decision to come to Royal Ascot, but they made the brave call. They made the sporting call. Uh, she came over. She wasn't anywhere near her best, and she won anyway. And it doesn't matter that she wasn't at her best. She will be fondly remembered by anyone that was present for what was a wonderful week, which she really made. Yeah, and that 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 was a legendary. Uh, Royal Ascot. Well, it was her and uh, Frankel were the big in, talking points that week, and they both won. Yeah, and Black Caviar was a huge part of that. Yeah. She, she'll go down a, as a racing legend in this part of the world for that. Um, whereas Wings, they, they've taken a safe option. It's fully understandable, but it's really disappointing that, that a mare um, as talented as her, um, with her unbelievable longevity, um, was never given the chance to shine outside of her comfort zone. Um, I see that as, as a, and I always slag over Mac about, about wings, but just as a fan of horse racing, I think that's that's pretty disappointing. But there we go. Yeah, there is until October before she'd be going for the Cox Plate. I understand that you'd be going for four. It's 
worth a disgustingly large amount of money and that is history in itself as well and so i can see why you would play the fa safe option the difference though is that when you regard frankel as being the best racehorse that we have seen and that's see the stars could be put into that category as well um frankel never came out of the uk he didn't go to france and he didn't go to ireland the only race you could really accuse him of skipping was the irish champion stakes and he probably gets a pass for that uh but the best irish took him on he took on acceleration when he was switched to Aiden O'Brien and he hammered him uh, and he, he hammered took him on, he took on Sarah's the Zagel you know he yeah. took on like that, and he that's gave the him a fright point here. but he still, no, he still beat him uh, and he, he didn't need to, he didn't need to travel to take on the best in the world yeah. in this division and also in was, the UK the Ireland uh, UK, Ireland and France is where the best middle distance racing is around the world so he was already he was lucky in the sense that he was born in the UK and he was able to to race there. Sorry, he was Irish bred actually, wasn't he? But um, that he was you know by geography he was blessed in that sense. But he did have superstars take him on and he blitzed them. Um, and if because middle distance racing is questionable somewhat in Australia, if you want to be a true great, then come over. Let's see it. Let's see. Let's let's. The royal meeting doesn't move. Royal Ascot is where it is. Come, but I can see the point of going for four Cox plates. And if they travelled and something went wrong and they missed that fourth Cox plate, they would kick themselves forever. But if she well, ends up stepping on makes, a, that's what makes it special. Exactly. Like, but if she risk. ends up stepping it's on a stone bruise the week before, they'll kick themselves anyway. So it's stepping, uh, st stepping on a stone. <laughs> Yeah, the old, the old the old stone bruise job, but it, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. And, and we can't claim Frankel as an Irish bred either, unfortunately. Damn it, can't we not? Damn it. <laughs> but even like, and I know the the clamor was obviously for her to come to Royal Ascot, but she she could have went to Hong Kong. You know, yeah. Hong Kong is isn't isn't a huge trip. She would have taken on a, a great, much greater quality of opposition there for more money than she'd be running for in Australia. The Australians keep throwing throwing the prize money argument, which is really silly. Um, into this debate she could have run for more money there she could have run for way more money in dubai yep. if she wanted to at a time where she's she's racing you know they could have traveled there at any number of junctures um over the years and and they never did and um that's that's unfortunate that's unfortunate because i think her legacy will suffer like i say she'd be an absolute hero in australia i'm sure but um outside of that um, I don't think she'll be remembered um, for for all that long, which, see, which is kind of sad. Because when 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 one as good as that comes around, you'd love to see them challenged. Yeah, absolutely. And look, if she's going to be still in training, you'd like to see them do that. But anyway, she's their horse. They make the decisions. Fair enough. There will be plenty of people who love her around the world anyway. But it would have been nice to see her come over. And you'd make a very very good point. It's not all about Royal Ascot, Hong Kong, Dubai, other options for her as well that are not going to be taken. Um, you know what this means, Kevin? This means that if Joseph O'Brien happens to get a halfway decent um, middle distance horse, you got to try to coax him to send it down there for the Cox Plate and see what it can do. If it's got... Well, I'll tell you what. Before then, we're going to get to see success day taking on Wings. <gasps> if it's a bog. And, pe and, pe and people will laugh. And people will laugh. Success Days is a good solid group three yep. horse up here. Absolutely. But we've seen we, we've we've seen enough good solid group three horses go down to Australia and win group ones. They're superstars! And if it comes up soft and, and the magic man Joe Murray, Joe Murray is going to ride him, and if it comes up soft, oh. I hope, I just hope that Ken Condon and Joe get together and, and hatch a plan to jump. And he, he makes the running to jump out 
and make it a proper test and try and drag wings down and in, down into the deep water and we'll see we'll see you'd be pretty disappointed if wings can't beat at the likes of success days but i think that would be really interesting a horse that's conditioned to run a proper 10 furlongs on soft ground ready for that type of test i'd love to see i'd love to see that happen and it might happen and that that would be fun and can you imagine can you imagine if he beat Winks? You know, oh, Jesus. You know what's been imagine. said as we wrap up this podcast now? There are people, loyal listeners to the Final Four podcast, listen to this going, how bitter is Kevin Blake <laughs> that, he wants, that he wants a listed Group 3 horse to beat the mighty Winks? How dare he? Tell you what, though, if it uh, rains, if it's a bog, it'll be some fight. That'll be, uh, that'll be I, really interesting. I'll tell you what, just a mystery aside of me now. And some would say it could, it, it could be all they deserve now for such a negative attitude and oh, they're campaigning at a horse. Oh, oh, <laughs> and on I that bombshell. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare mention such, such, a, such a... God, you're going to drive Chris Waller <laughs> off Twitter now as well. Chris Waller's going to be gone. <laughs> no one's going to want to be on it. No one's going to clash with Blake anymore. Uh, our thanks to our good friends at Pot Noodle for tweeting steady on and uh, more importantly to the races you've got some great content free for the weekend uh, Rory's back with me on the Matchbook Betting Podcast tomorrow where we'll repeat all of what we said in this podcast and do it all again <laughs> uh, this time in the company of Johnny Ward and Stephen Harris it should be a lot of fun uh, from Roy DeLarge best of luck to you from Kevin Blake I, I, I just, I'm just glad you're still there Rory from Kevin Blake Good luck. And from me, Emma Kennedy, happy Easter. Talk to you soon. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.